what is it like being beheld? Moments of intimacy can be so consoling. It can also be disconcerting somehow, unnerving somehow to really be seen. And what's it like to be reminded of our identity that each of us, each of us, we are indeed in the image of God. Today is Mother's Day, and hopefully for most of us, we as little children had the experience of being beheld by our mother and knowing that we are beloved. That sense of being beheld, that sense of being beloved is the root and ground and foundation of beginning to understand that we are beloved of God and in the image of God. Some of us may have had the experience when we became parents ourselves or grandparents ourselves or aunts and uncles or older brothers and sisters, or perhaps teachers, that there are children that we love, and that as we gaze upon them, we are, perhaps without words, letting them know they are beloved and created in the image of God. Not all of us had the experience as little children of being beloved by our moms. For some of us, our moms were just not there or just not able. For some of us, our souls are orphaned. And whether our souls are more orphaned or, or not, the, that sense that we are beloved by God is so so very important and can yet come to us however our human mothers were. There's that story of Jesus when Jesus is being baptized and he hears the word saying, Behold, this is my beloved in whom I am well pleased. That experience is possible for us as well. Perhaps it was in our own baptism. Perhaps it's been here in worship. Perhaps it's been a time of personal prayer, of knowing that we are beloved by God. And if you have not yet had that experience, it is possible. That sense of being beloved of God, that experience of being beloved of God, helps us know what Quakers name uh, as being the experience of that of God dwells in us. And if that of God dwells in me, so also then I may understand that that of God dwells in you. It's so important to be able to see the image of God in one another. There is a monastic story and in the rules of some monasteries, hospitality is key to their ministry, welcoming guests. Well, after one particularly long and weary week, the head monk went out and sat on the front stoop and just took a deep breath. 
trust that many of us know what it is to have a long week and at the end of us just need to take a long, deep breath. So as he was sitting there just trying to regain a little of his senses and gain a little strength, yet again he looks and on down the road there appears to be yet another guest coming down the road to the monastery. The head monk sighs and he says, Oh Jesus, is it you again? (laughs) That capacity of being able to see the love of God, the, the image of God in one another is essential to living a life of faith and hope and of love. There is so much in these recent months that has been trying to our souls. For some of us, it's been profoundly personal. For many of us, it's been in the political sphere. As we see others' actions and are dismayed, or we see our own reactions and are not so pleased with how we respond, it can become very difficult to see the image of God in ourselves and in another. So John Calvin has this this striking phrase that I'll share twice because there's so much to it. He says, Remember not to consider people's evil intentions but to look upon the image of God in them, which cancels and effaces their transgressions. And the image of God, with its beauty and dignity, allures us to love and embrace them. It can indeed sometimes be hard to see the image of God in another, and yet, and yet, by God's grace, it is there. Remember not to consider people's evil intention, but to look upon the image of God in them, which cancels and effaces their transgressions. And the image of God with its beauty and dignity allures us to love and embrace them. During this sabbatical season, Pastor Molly Blythe Tykert, and we ourselves as a congregation are focusing on Sabbath and renewal, especially through means of beauty, to know Christ the center. Last week we heard from a compilation from our Eastern Orthodox brothers and sisters. That compilation is called the Philokalia, or literally, the love of beauty. Well, why is beauty so important? Because God is like a profligate and generous sower of seed, always sowing beauty, always sowing beauty to draw us to God. The Philokalia says, for anything to be natural is for it to be as God intends, for it to be in the, uh, to be in the state in and for which God created it. For the natural state of human beings is... How might we imagine our natural state? The natural state of human beings is the beauty, loveliness, and integrity of the first creation. That's who we are, essentially. And the beauty, loveliness, and integrity of the image of God. And yet, so often we stray. You know, for myself, 
oftentimes I'm so judgmental of myself, judge myself to be not very gracious at all. I find in myself things that are not so lovely. And for those of us who live life in families, so often we see each other's unlovelinesses as well. Somebody defined uh, home is the place where they know where you are and they welcome you anyway. (laughs) God's a lot like that. But even when we go astray, we may find that God transforms human beings through love, enabling us to return and to share in God's divine beauty. For that's how we were created. From Colossians, we heard that Christ is the image of the invisible God. God is not visible. So if we're we're curious, if we want to understand what is the image of God, What does it look like? What is it like? Look to Jesus. The incarnation of Christ is in Jesus. Look to Jesus to know what that image of God is like. These few words in Colossians are astonishing because they emphasize uh, the Christ, the firstborn of all creation, who is there from the very beginning and in whom all things hold together. Christ, our source, And our destination, Christ the beginning and our end. Christ the one who began us and the one to whom we will go. So many of the images surrounding Jesus have to do with Jesus on the cross, Jesus at at death, Jesus with the atonement. But here is an image of Christ who is at the very beginning of the whole creation. The one who creates us, who is with us, who destines us in and for beauty. It's a wonderful compliment to the theology of the atonement. And the fulfillment of what it means to be human is to be found as we live out the image of God, the image of the living Christ in our lives, personally and together. Now that word image, that word image, uh, the Greek behind it is the word icon. And so this practice of praying with icons is, is so important. There is, throughout the history of Christianity, uh, a a history of controversy around icons. And the iconoclasts say uh, that icons are idols and we ought not pray to them. And that is right. When we pray with icons, we're praying with them rather than to them. Praying with them rather than to them. Because the icons provide something like a portal into God. Last week we were looking for a moment at uh, the stained glass images. And perhaps there is an image that has habitually called your attention as you look. Or perhaps today there's some image that for some reason strikes you. When we look to a stained glass window, the the effect is astonishing because we see not only the image itself and the story that it's telling, but behind it there is light shining through. We see the image and we see the light shining through both. And so may it be when we gaze upon one another that we may see one another for who we are. We may see one another, and we see not only ourselves, but the image of God, the light of God, 
shining through. So Sunday by Sunday we come. Sunday by Sunday we come to be renewed by Christ our center. There is so much unloveliness, indeed ugliness in the world. It is important to be renewed. And it's so important what it is that we behold, what our icons are. We live in a culture that's so visual and all the time we're faced with choices about what we behold, what we view, and what we don't. It's important because what we behold is what we tend to become. It's not absolute, but it's so important what we behold, what our central icon is, to know Christ is our icon and so be renewed by the stories. So be renewed as we pray. So be renewed in fellowship with others who bear consciously the image of God. So with Christ our sinner again and again we come that the beauty of Christ may transform us and that Christ our origin and our fulfillment our beginning and our end our source and our destination may be our icon and be our hope that we too may be transformed by the love of God. In the name of the Father and in the name of the Son and in the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen.